Right. Well, I'm honored to be able to preach tonight. Thankful for the opportunity. And uh, I've put myself on a minutes restriction. How many of you think that sounds good? Like a good idea. And I know we have plans tonight, things to do. And so uh, I don't want to be long and I've got a time in my mind to be done. And I'm going to (laughs) finish right on time. I'm not going to tell you because I've learned if I tell you the time, then then when I go past it a few minutes, everybody's staring at their clock, and I don't want to do that. I was laughing the other night. I was, with, I was uh, preaching in New Jersey, and I told pastor that I was uh, at this church, and they had a, a huge um, flat screen in the back of the church. And uh, when I got up to preach, they had the time up there, and just a massive flat screen that kind of dominated the whole back wall of the church. And had a nice green uh, background to it with the, with the time, and I thought, man, that is really nice to have it just right there. And then as I was preaching, when, I, when, it, when it hit 7.30, that screen went red, <laughs> and it started to flash in the time, and I thought, man, what are they doing? <laughs> and, uh, but uh, there's no, nothing like that here. We've got some green lights behind me, some red lights, and so when I'm past time, they can just start flashing back and forth, and we can... We could close it down, but uh, it's great to be here, and you know, as I was watching Pastor with the kids, uh, am I, are they doing it already? Okay. Scott Sloan, he doesn't love the Word of God, <laughs> no, but, uh, but um, when I was watching Pastor with the kids, I thought to myself, I thought, man, I'm, I'm glad that my children have Pastor Wilkerson as their pastor. I thought, that what a wonderful thing, and uh, just... I was blessed watching that, and Pastor, we love you. We hope you have a great Christmas. Take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter number 2, Matthew chapter number 2, and tonight I want to communicate a thought that I had while, while studying the Christmas story this year. I found a nugget in the Scripture. How many of you love your Bibles? Hold it up and let me see it. You love your Bibles. Man, I love my Bible. I love it when God gives me a a truth, he gives me a little nugget, and I I found one this this year, made an impression on my heart, and um, challenged me, Uh, and really even since I found it, it's continued to challenge me, and I want to share it with you um, tonight. I shared it with some of our teenagers in in different chapel services, and and as I was praying about tonight, this came to my mind, and I want to share it with you. I'm I'm swerving off the trail a little bit of the traditional Christmas story. And we've heard the Christmas story. I believe we know the Christmas story. And so tonight is just a practical uh, application found within the Christmas story. But I love that about the Bible. I love the fact that that it's of one interpretation, but many applications. It's like a a kaleidoscope. You can turn it and you can see uh, different designs, and the scripture is that way, and, and, uh, and I want to just kind of turn the kaleidoscope uh, tonight on a familiar part of the Christmas story and challenge you, really, for Christmas. And as we, as we enter into the new year, Matthew chapter number 2, let's look at uh, the very first verse. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled. Now, we know that Herod was a wicked man, and, and he was uh, placed as a ruler there. 
uh, placed as a king. And I think when he heard the words, uh, where is he that is born king? I think that that troubled him. Herod really had no, no rightful uh, 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 place to sit on the throne of David, and he was placed there by the Roman government. And when he heard that there was one that was born king, uh, it troubled him. And the Bible says that he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And here's the little nugget that God gave me. Just a thought for for our regular church family. In verse number 8, it says, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. This verse and really Herod's action here really struck me. He had heard of Jesus and he instructs the wise men. He says, I want you to go and search diligently for the young child. You go. You go find him, and when you found him, uh, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Now, I want to be clear about something. Uh, I understand that Herod had no desire to worship Jesus. Textually, Herod was not uh, wanting uh, to know Jesus. He was not wanting to get close to Jesus For any good reason, he he was not wanting to worship Jesus. That was not what he was about. Uh, He had every intention to kill the Christ child. But there's something about that spirit of Herod in an application sense that spoke to my heart. The spirit of Herod that said, you go and find God. And then come back and tell me about it. You go and and you search diligently for the Christ child. You go do all the work, then come back and just let me hear about it. And God smacked me upside the head. I, I do not want to have the spirit of Herod in my life. I don't want to have a spirit. The spirit of Herod is content to hear and not see for yourself. The spirit of Herod says, you go find God and I'll wait for you to tell me what you found. The spirit of Herod says, I'll come to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and I'll be glad to listen. But when it comes to the diligent seeking in verse number eight, I'm I'm not going to do that. You do that, we'll, we'll let the preacher do that, or the teacher do that, or the Sunday school teacher do that. The spirit of Herod uh, is fine to hear about it, but does not want to firsthand experience God. And I was struck with that thought. 
kind of reminded me of the children of Israel in Exodus chapter number 20. Uh, in Exodus chapter number 20, I, I see a parallel, and if you want to turn there, that'd be fine. But the Bible says in, in Exodus 20, uh, when Moses was on the mountain uh, receiving the Ten Commandments, uh, I love verse number 18. Uh, the Bible says, and all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And look what they said in verse 19. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. The spirit of Herod, satisfied with a, a secondhand account of God. The spirit of Herod, these people looking at Moses and saying, looking at the, the mountain and the thunder and the lightning and the smoke and the fire and, and saying, you know what, Moses, you go up there. We're not going to go up there. Moses, after further review, we're content to stay down here. Why don't you go and do all the work and you go find God and tell us what you found. We'll listen to you, Moses. But we don't want to find them for ourselves. That's the spirit of Herod. And I got thinking about that, and I want to give you in just a few moments five areas, five things I see in the Christmas story, five things that happened where I do not want to have the spirit of Herod. I don't want to be satisfied with a, a secondhand account of some of these things that I'm going to list for you tonight. And... Uh, Let's pray together and ask the Lord to bless it. Father, would you bless now the, the message? And Lord, the few minutes, may my words be precise. And may we, uh, may we learn and may we be challenged. God, I pray, I guess I just pray that the folks here would be challenged like I was challenged earlier a couple of weeks ago when I came across this. And, and help them, Lord, as you've helped me with this truth. In Jesus' name I pray. And ask these things, amen. I want to consider five areas tonight where I do not want the spirit of Herod. Number one, I do not want the spirit of Herod when it comes to salvation. When it comes to salvation, I don't want to rely on a secondhand account of salvation. I think of Simeon in the Bible, Luke chapter number two. And uh, of course, you know the story, but I love how the Bible says about Simeon uh, in verse number 30, the Bible says, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Simeon saw the Christ child and he, he made note of the fact that personally he had seen the salvation of God. When it comes to salvation, my friend, uh, the spirit of, of, uh, of Herod uh, says, I, I like to hear testimonies, how other people got saved, and, and I rejoice with them. And well, I love it when pastor talks about that Sunday night when, when uh, uh, he was convicted, or maybe you've heard my testimony, how after watching a, a Christian film, The Thief in the Night, how God convicted me on a Monday night, and, and how I got saved, and the spirit of Herod says, I can listen to those stories all day long, but I don't necessarily have one of my own. That's the spirit of Herod, a secondhand account. You, you go and find God and, and tell me what you found. My friend, when it comes to our salvation, we cannot rely on secondhand information. We must know it for ourselves. If you're here tonight and you've never been born again, uh, do not leave without knowing you can hear my story and many stories in this room, but when you stand before God, it will be your personal account and testimony that matters. 
You don't want the spirit of Herod when it comes to salvation. The whole purpose of Christmas is to celebrate the birth of Jesus who came and who was born and who died that we might be saved personally. And I fear, like I'm sure many preachers fear that some people hear about it their whole lives. Maybe they sing about it. Maybe they even preach about it, but they do not have a personal testimony. And so when it comes to salvation, the spirit of Herod will not do. There's a lot of things in life I do not know. A lot of things in life I do not know. There's one thing that I know. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. I'm not relying on somebody else's story, or I know in my heart that I've been born again. For I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I don't want to have the spirit of Herod when it comes to salvation. Number two, I don't want to have the spirit of Herod when it comes to answered prayer. Answered prayer. I'm talking about personally knowing that God hears and answers prayer. Pastor pointed something out on Sunday night that, that I've never seen before. But in talking about Zacharias in Luke chapter number one, he, he pointed out how uh, Zacharias had that answer to prayer and how he had probably waited a long time for it, had probably stopped praying for a child since he was up in years. But, but I love the fact about Zacharias that he, he experienced an answer to prayer himself. The Bible says in Luke 1, chapter number, or verse number 13, uh, the Bible says, uh, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Thy prayer is heard. See, that was a personal thing. And sometimes I'm afraid that when it comes to prayer, uh, we have the spirit of Herod. Boy, tell us, Dr. Williams, all about your answers to prayer. I love to hear Tom Williams preach, and I love to hear his stories. I love that story that he tells, and I won't tell it exactly like him. I don't remember all the details, but, but man, I love that story that he tells, how he was, God placed on his heart to travel across the country, like from Chicago to California or something like that. He didn't have any money for fuel. How many of you know the story? You know what I'm, where I'm going? He didn't have any money for fuel, but he, he decided to take a trip in his car across country by faith. And as he was running out of gas, he, he pulled up into a, a gas station, and, and uh, miraculously, God sent somebody by to fill up his gas tank. And he went several more hours down the road, and as he was uh, running out of gas again, miraculously, I mean, he just has this story, Harley Davidson bikers were filling up his gas tank, I and mean, he's got all kinds of things going on in that story. And some of us sit back, and we say, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if it is either, but... <laughs> But listen, I believe it is. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. The spirit of Herod says, well, I love stories like that. I love when a preacher can, can encourage me and build my faith by, by telling me some great story how God answered his prayer. But let me tell you what will really build your faith when God answers your prayer. You see, in the spirit of Herod says, I, I don't want just a secondhand account of, of God answering somebody else's prayer. I want a Zacharias moment where God hears and answers my prayer. And how long has it been, church, since God has answered your prayer? The spirit of Herod says, I'm, I'm uh, not going to pray the price. It's too difficult. It's too time consuming. I'll listen to others talk about it, but but." Not for me. Friend, if you're too busy to pray, you're too, you're too busy. And we need to have some answered prayer 
in our lives. Several stories I, I have jotted down here to tell. I'll, I'll tell one just because it's very recent. This summer I was preaching different camps and different places and uh, struggling all summer long with my voice. Just had lost my voice somewhere along the way and, and struggling. All, Brother John, I believe you were there in Louisiana when this happened. He was there with a the tour group. And I got to make sure I tell it exactly right. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but I was, I was uh, struggling all summer long. And um, I had gotten to Louisiana to preach this week of camp and had seven times to preach. And I preached Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, and uh, had lost my voice somewhere along the line. It's kind of funny. The Monday night, my, my uh, son was here and he was playing Little League Baseball. And about 30 seconds before I, I mean, I, I, felt, I feel like I was walking up to the pulpit and I got a text message from my wife saying, Adam is going to the emergency room. <laughs> Now, you try doing that when, when uh, he had broken his wrist playing baseball, but I didn't know that. And uh, she sent me some Marco Polos. I'm trying to preach, watch these videos. It was crazy. But, uh, but anyhow, I had lost my voice Tuesday night, and, and I rested it, went back to the hotel, did everything I could do to get my voice back, and was drinking all this tea and borrowing essential oils. I mean, everything that I could do to, to just try to get my voice back. Somebody had given me a tip once that if you wrap your throat in warm towels, you know, that'll, that'll help it and leave it there all night. So I did that. I, I uh, took some hot water and put it on the, the towel there and I, I wrung, wrung it out, wrapped it around my neck and slept like that, made a mess out of the bed, didn't get my, didn't get my voice back, but had, had tried everything. Wednesday morning, I uh, woke up and my voice was literally Literally, it was like this, just a whisper. I called Brother Tool, and, and I, I said, Brother, you know, and I just said, I can't preach. I cannot preach. I mean, it was like that. He said, okay. He said, well, he said, we'll, we'll figure something else out. And, but I went to the service, and uh, I knew the man that they had asked to preach, and I introduced them to the, the teenagers. I said, you're going to love him. You're going to love him. And uh, we prayed for him, and, and they were praying for my voice, and and I thought for sure maybe I'd have some of it back Wednesday or uh, uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, Wednesday night I went back to the hotel and rested and, and tried to get my voice back. And I mean, an hour before the service, I sounded like this. It was still just totally gone. I called the pastor up and I said, I'm sorry. I said, I still don't have my voice back. I said, we could do two things. I said, I can try to preach tonight, maybe 10 minutes at the most. I said, or we could rest it, and I can just go tomorrow and see what, what God will do. And he said, why don't you try tonight? So I stood up in the pulpit that Wednesday. I was praying. I had sent some text messages back here, asked people to pray. I know the camp was praying. Brother John was there. He could testify to this. I stood up, and with a voice like this, I said, turn your Bibles, and... A minute into the message, I mean, while I'm reading my text, I went from reading like this to full voice. I mean, it was, I, I've never experienced anything like that. You say, there's no way, Brother Judah. Yes! Man, I preached that Wednesday night, and, and God blessed it, and people were saved, and it was one of those invitations that, that the Lord got in, people were called, and man, it was a wonderful thing as, as things were extended, and uh, teenagers were getting right, and I'm sitting there saying, I, I cannot believe God answered prayer. Man, what a wonderful thing to know that God, that God will hear and answer your prayer. 
You see, in the spirit of Herod, says, man, I love stories like that. I don't have any of my own. You, you go, you go and get those stories. You, you go and search diligently and you go to the prayer closet and shut the door and then tell me all about it. Friends, we cannot in these days have the spirit of Herod. We need to know that God is hearing and answering our prayers. Spirit of Herod, number one, when it comes to salvation, answered prayer. Next, how about this one? The spirit of Herod when it comes to witnessing. The spirit that says, I love it when pastor tells us all about the people he's won to Christ. And by the way, I'm thankful that we have a soul winning pastor. How many of you are thankful for that? But friends, we need to be a soul winning people. You see, the spirit of Herod says, let somebody else do those, those things. Let somebody else do the spiritual work. I love it when pastor talks about the people he invites over and he's always discipling somebody. And man, that, that is great. But what about us? What about me? What about you? We need to have our own stories. I used to love listening to Carl Hatch. Carl Hatch would come to West Virginia every single year. He'd come and if his health allowed and I was always able to spend time with him. He's an old time preacher of the past. He was Mr. Soul Winner, Carl Hatch. He was, he was great. Had the most unique voice, he talked like this. You know, he's from Texas, had that gravelly voice. And I remember one time uh, we were in the car, just myself and my wife, and then Dr. Hatch and his wife, we were talking about preaching. He was a hero. I said, Brother Hatch, who is your favorite preacher? And he started telling me all the preachers that he loved, you know. You remember this, Minda? She remembers all the preachers. And uh, I love Brother Hiles, and I love, you know, old-time religion. He's telling me all this stuff. And Ruby, his wife in the back seat, said, uh, Brother Carl? She said, I like that Joel Osteen. <laughs> That's what she said. And, and Carl Hatch said, Ruby, Ruby, you know, don't say that. And uh, we were laughing, my wife and I, we've laughed about that for years. It was just great. Man, Carl Hatch was a soul winning machine. I, I'm serious. Everywhere you went, that guy's winning people to the Lord. I'd pick him up at the airport. He'd be talking to somebody, witnessing to people at the airport. I remember taking him to Bob Evans to eat, and he had little lines, you know. He had little, little lines that he would use to reel people in. The waitress would come up, and let's say her name was Susie. He'd see her name there, and he'd go, Susie, I got a granddaughter named Susie. So, you know, the best thing my granddaughter knows how to go to heaven. You know how to go to heaven. And these people would get saved. I mean, a, a guy would come up, you know, to serve food. Brian, Brian, man, I got a grandson named Brian. Best thing, Brian, I don't know how many grandkids Carl Hatch had. But you know that little thing, like all the little, the, the A, B, C, D, all the little names? He had all of them going, you know, the little keychains. But he would use that line, people get saved. I remember the, the last time I was with Brother Hatch and I was dropping him off at the, at the hotel. This was the la my, my last memory of him. He had preached and I was dropping him off and he was, he was talking to me the whole ride home. And man, I was just soaking in everything that he said and Pulled up to the hotel, dropped him off, and I just was watching him just in awe. I mean, knowing, man, this guy's a legend. And I was just watching him. I couldn't even pull away. I'm watching him. He had a cane at this point. He's walking into the hotel lobby. I watched him get in the hotel, and he turned to the left. 
took a few steps, and now it was just the, the curtain was there, and it was just a, a silhouette that I could see. But immediately, he's talking to somebody, and I could see the, the shadows. You know, he's talking to this person. He reaches into his pocket, pulls out a track. They're talking, and I'm just watching all of this through a curtain. And, and he's talking, and then a few moments later, you see the person bow their head. I'm like, man, this is unbelievable. Give Brother Hatch a big hug. I mean, th- it was it was great, and I thought that might be the last thing that I ever see, and it was the last thing I ever saw. Carl Hatch, Mr. Soul Winner, winning somebody to Christ. What a legacy. And the spirit of Herod says, I love those stories. But it's been a while since I've led somebody to Christ. The spirit of Herod says, you know, tell us all about it. But... We're not going to knock on doors ourselves. We're not going to pass out tracts ourselves. We'll let other people do it for us. Most of us can talk about the first soul we won, but what about the last soul that we won? What about the last uh, block that we knocked, the last track that we passed out? You see, if we're not careful, we'll get content to hear all about it, but not do anything. And that's what Herod did. He, you go find Jesus and tell me what you saw. That's what the people of Israel said. You you go talk to God. Tell us what he said. But today, you and I, uh, we need to be people of action, to do it ourselves. I don't want to have the spirit of Herod when it comes to salvation, when it comes to answered prayer, when it comes to soul winning. I, I, I thought of this. I see in this Christmas story, I see a model marriage, Mary and Joseph. A model marriage. Think about, think about the marriage of Mary and Joseph. And I just got a few things here that, they, that, that marks their marriage. Uh, they were obedient to God in their marriage. They trusted each other in their marriage. They had faith over fear, endurance through trials. You think about all that Mary and Joseph went through and how strong their marriage must have been. I don't want to have the spirit of Herod where I can read about it hear about it, but never do the work myself to have a model marriage. I love, I see the cowlings down here, and I love, I mean, what a great example of marriage. Every marriage retreat, I'm challenged. They're there, they're, they're happy, they're, you know, together. They're, they've been married for a long time. They're still in love with each other, and, and it's the cutest thing. <laughs> it's great. But if I'm not careful, I'll have the spirit of Herod. Say, man, look at that great marriage model. But never put in the work to have a model marriage myself. Man, I can admire others and the work that they've done, but I'm not going to go to the marriage retreat. I'm not going to read a book and work on an area. You see, that's the spirit of Herod that just relies on secondhand information. I don't want to have the spirit of Herod. Last and finally, The spirit of Herod, when it comes to the power of God. You know, you think about the Christmas story, and all of these characters saw the power of God. Mary and Joseph, the Magi, the shepherds, they they all experienced the power of God firsthand. And if we're not careful, my friends, we'll, we'll read the stories and be familiar with books like Greater, uh, Deeper Experience from Great 
Christians and, and all of those things. And man, we'll, we'll love to hear about D.L. Moody who placed one foot on America and one foot on England and shook two continents for God. And man, we'll admire the D.L. Moody's and the Charles Spurgeons and these people who knew God and, and saw God and had the power of God, but we'll never have it for ourselves. The spirit of Herod says, you go, you go. You go find God and tell me all about it. But I'm not going to go myself. I guess as I was studying the Christmas story and all the traditional things, this popped out at me. You know, most of us, uh, none of us, I would assume, are ever going to be like Herod. I mean, Herod was wicked to the core. He, he, he was a murderer. He was a maniac. He was terrible. But we're fooling ourselves if we don't think we can be have a part of it. I mean, when I see Herod, there's a spirit there. There's an attitude there. Now, I've never murdered anybody or done anything like that, but there's an attitude there where I can see a little bit of me. The spirit that says, you, you go, find God. You do all the praying, the witnessing. You, you go and, and uh, work on your marriage and, and then tell me all about it. I'm interested, I'll rejoice with you, but I'm not going to do any of the diligent searching or seeking myself. I'll send other people to do that. And personally, I do not want the spirit of Herod when it comes to salvation, certainly. When it comes to answer to prayer and, and soul winning, and the marriage and knowing the power of God, these are things that we can and should have for ourselves. And I was challenged this year, and I, I want to carry that into 2022. I want to be a person of action. I hope that you want to be a church of action. And let's not allow the spirit of Herod, even just a little bit of it, to creep into our lives. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes?